excited to eat food. Very excited. Hey, hey sis. Hi. This must be Kyle. Ah, it is. Hi. It's nice to finally meet you. Yeah, come on in. Okay, so who wants to play tabletop at cards? Yes. Sounds like a great idea. So basically, it's like tabletop at cards meets truth or dare. Slash fear factor. And the whole thing has a loose, life-size, monopoly-like structure to it. You'll be on her team. Teams are called life groups. Table placements are called campuses. Now, if you land on somebody's campus that's not in your life group, then you have to draw a tabletop at card. Or challenge them to a game of your choosing. And it all starts with a spoon on the nose tip-off. A oh, spoon on the nose? I can do that. Well Looks like we got ourselves a game. One, two, three, four, I declare a thumb war. Come on, babe, you can do this. Come on, come on. You've been training for this. Come on. Yes, yes, back, back, back. Yes, 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 yes. One, two, three, four, I declare Yes, yes. Say three nice things about the person to your left. That's easy. Uh, number one, you're beautiful. Can't be anything physical. Physical is too easy. Um, I, I like that. Seriously, you can't think of one thing? I just, time's up! Do not pass go, do not collect tithes and offerings, and go directly to the Edina area campus. Cake eater! No. It's just, you haven't been dating very long. You're a speaker. You're, you're a preacher. You are Pastor Rob Ketterling. Yes! Yes! Name three things every visitor to this country should see. All right. All right. Statue of Liberty. All right. Mount Rushmore. Good, and good. the Leaning Tower. Up. In your face! Uh -huh. We Woo! got it! Yeah. Chuck, 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 Yes, how many enjoyed the video? Uh, how many are enjoying your reclaimed cards? You enjoying those? I hope you're taking advantage of them, and uh, we still have some left. If you didn't get them, it's one per household, and uh, they're all good questions for you to be able to ask each other around the dinner table as you accept this challenge uh, in our Reclaim series. And of course, it's been a great opportunity for us to reclaim the table and to be able to say that family dinners are real, that they are important, they belong, and we're going to reclaim the table for all that God intended. Of course, there are three things that you're doing along with me in this. You're going to pray over every meal, every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, doesn't matter where you are, out in a restaurant, at school, in the boardroom. Um, it's up to you whether or not you want to take the lead and pray out loud in front of everybody, but silent prayers do count. Uh, but I, I really am looking forward to seeing how God, you know, uses all these opportunities. Of course, the second thing is you're going to have three family dinners uh, per week together during this series. And uh, I just absolutely love seeing that because the third thing is you're using the hashtag ReclaimTheTable. And uh, I've been able to see all these people reclaiming the table all over the place. I saw one couple without a table, and they're like, we're eating without a table. Hope we win, hint, hint. You know, so... Uh, <laughs> 
Use the hashtag, you can win the table. Uh, somebody that is not on the staff will win one of those custom-made tables by using the hashtag, reclaim the table. And of course, we've got our Uversion app now that is available uh, Saturday night and Sunday. We've got it all worked out. It's available if you go to Uversion, you go to Live, search River Valley. You can follow along with all the notes and all the scriptures, and it's amazing. We've got it launched in this series. Now, this series, we're talking about reclaiming the table. And uh, not that long ago, I was in Spain. And I was at our campus there, and I was telling them about this series, and I said, I am going to do this series called Reclaim the Table. You'll do it too, because they do it in a two-week delay in Spanish. And uh, I said, it's, it's exciting. I'm going to challenge everybody to have three family dinners per week together. And they looked at me with a blank stare. And I said, is that, is that, too, is that too much? I mean, because I'm just, I'm just asking for three family dinners. That's all, just per week. And they said, we do seven. And I said, oh, yeah, see, America, we, we hardly do one. And right then they dropped to the knees and started praying for you guys. They just right there, intercession, they're like, are you kidding me? Our friends in America. I mean, it was, I, I couldn't believe, they really were. They were saying, if we don't do five, that would be a bad week. We're, we're always having family dinner together. And uh, we're always, matter of fact, they told me about uh, a tradition that they do, and I want to share this with you, kind of connecting with our, our Spain campus in Valencia. And Becca's going to help me out. My wife, Becca, is going to come on out. One of the things that they do is every Sunday they have a meal together, and what Becca has here is a paella. And uh, you can see this is a seafood paella, and it's got rice and different things, and they feast on this every Sunday. Uh, the mom would make it, brings all the family together. This is their traditional meal. And uh, if you miss that meal on Sunday, it's Sunday afternoon, if you miss that meal, it's a huge insult if you're not there with mom. You have to have family dinner. She has to see her grandchildren. She wants everyone there, and it lasts all afternoon. Matter of fact, we do our start time in Spain based on when the family meal is done because they sleep until 11. Then they go to mom's. You're like, I want to go to Spain. Um, <laughs> they sleep until 11. Then they have their family meal. Then when they're done with that, we have church in the evening, and they come in well-fed. So this paella is going to our music team after this, and they're going to devour it. I know you won't touch it because they're seafood. And uh, because I did something a while back in another sermon, may you graciously take your seat and a comfortable seated chair. I love you so much. All right, there you go. If you missed that, you probably weren't in that sermon. Take your seat. Okay, so I did that. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, we are giving away one paella uh, per campus. And here's how we're drawing uh, that. A person that signs their kids up for uh, Go Kids, we're going to draw from that group, and one family per campus will win a gift certificate uh, to the uh, restaurant uh, Cafe Ana. And uh, they graciously gave us that one, and then we purchased some uh, gift cards. So you're going to go there and enjoy paella. Love for you to Instagram it, reclaim the table at Cafe Ana. So we're excited about this as we continue reclaiming the table. We're going to reclaim the table for outreach. Last week, we, we, we reclaimed it for discipleship. This week, we're going to claim it for outreach. And we're going to realize this. Jesus eats with anyone. Jesus eats with anyone. He eats with you. He eats with me. He eats with the least of these. He eats with the people that can't even imagine that Jesus want, would want to eat with them.
And uh, I love this great book that Tim Chester wrote, A Meal with Jesus, and I'm using some of the stuff from that book. Uh, He just opened up my eyes to that thought that Jesus does eat with anyone. And when you look in the Bible, you will see that Jesus eats with anyone. But how many know that when you share with people like God loves you, he wants to forgive you, he wants to be your Lord and Savior, and you throw out the invitation of outreach, you throw out the invitation of God's love, how many know that sometimes people are like, I don't know. I don't know if God wants to eat with me. I don't know if God would invite somebody like, does God really love somebody like me? And and sometimes churches have, have given an attitude like, oh, I don't know if you're coming to our church. We don't need to do that. We need to let people know that Jesus will eat with anyone and be loving and kind and saying, come on, Jesus will eat with anyone. Some people could look at the Old Testament and look at certain people and think that God doesn't want to eat uh, with anyone. I think if you were to look at Moses and you'd say, does God want to eat with anybody? Because Moses looks angry. Moses has got commandments and he's mad and he's throwing them down and he's shining and he doesn't even, his family doesn't want to eat with him. I don't know if God wants to eat with me. You might look at the prophets and how many know if you look at the Old Testament prophets, you might not be convinced that God wants to eat with anybody. I mean, you've got Elijah calling down fire and yet you're trying to say, God loves you. I mean, Elijah's good if you have a barbecue, you know, call it down. You got Jonah. Think about if you invited Jonah to dinner and you said, God loves people and Jonah's there and he's saying, I wish you were all dead. I wish he would have killed you. Now I got to eat with you. Some of you don't know the story. All right. (laughs) Jeremiah, if you invited him to dinner, how many know he'd be weeping the whole time and crying? And you think about the disciples, they didn't even realize that Jesus wanted to eat with anyone. They were thinking the wrong thoughts. They were thinking that Jesus only wanted to eat with the good people with the chosen people. And Jesus is saying, I want to meet and and eat with everyone. His disciples are like, do you want us to call down fire on those guys? He's like, no, we're not doing fire. They're they're amazed that he would talk to a woman about eating and drinking and living water. And they're thinking, I can't believe he's talking food and drink with her. That isn't the way that it's done. Uh, The disciples are thinking, keep the kids away. Kids ruin a meal with Jesus. Keep them away. And Jesus is like, no. I invite the kids here. There's a play place. It's on my knee. They're going to be right here. Kids are good. We don't shush them away. So the disciples don't even realize Jesus wants to eat with everyone and anyone. And all throughout the Gospel of Luke, we see this. We're going to take a look at some of these stories. We're going to see different things there that that Luke just blows it open and he says, Jesus wants to eat with you. Jesus wants to eat with everyone. And at the end of the service at all of our campuses, you're going to have an opportunity to respond to that, to say, I I want Jesus to eat with me. I want to eat with Jesus. Luke 15, 1 and 2, the religious people, they were so upset. In Luke 15, 1 and 2, they said, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. You got to understand, Jesus eats with anyone, and it's going to challenge us to open up our table and say, more people are welcome at our table. We're going to use our table for outreach to reach people far away from God. In Matthew 11, Jesus got the title, friend of sinners. The religious people thought that they were giving him a terrible title. Like, this guy is, is a friend of sinners. And Jesus embraced that. You're right. I am a friend of sinners. I will welcome them. I want to eat with them. I want to bring them the good news. Now, you got to understand in the time of Jesus, you got to understand this. In the time of Jesus, who you ate with was theology. 
Who you ate with determined what you believed about God. And if you believed in God, you had a strict rule of who you could eat with and who you couldn't eat with. And there were rules about how to cleanse things and take care of things. And what you ate said what you believed about God. And Jesus is changing it all up. I mean, on top of all this, with all the rules of who you could eat with and who you couldn't eat with, there were also rules about um, what you could do with your dishes. If you gave your dish to a poor person, your dish was seen to be unclean. And so you had to cleanse it and go through all these ceremonies. And so that's why they're like, I don't even want to eat with poor people because they contaminate the food. They contaminate the dishes. They can contaminate me. And Jesus is like, we're getting ready to change all of that. Everything's going to change. And that's why they're so upset with him. In Luke, one theologian believed that Jesus was killed because of the people he ate with. That Jesus would eat with anyone and they were not happy with that. On top of all this animosity going on around the table, they didn't rejoice when one sinner repented. We rejoice when anyone gives their life to Jesus. We think all heaven is rejoicing. That's what Jesus said. All heaven is rejoicing. But they actually thought, Sinners were made to stoke the, the fires of hell. And they would think it's going to be a great day when you die and go to hell and the flames get hotter. So you got all this going on and that's not God's heart. And so they're eating meals and thinking those people are made for the fire and we're enjoying our good meal. And then along comes Jesus eating and drinking with anyone and everyone. So we're going to take a look at this. We're going to take a look at Luke, a few highlights, and then we're going to get to Luke chapter 7 because there's an amazing dinner story there. In Luke 5, Jesus is eating with a tax collector. He's eating with a tax collector. And, and it's interesting that while he's eating with this tax collector, the religious people add this group to it. They say he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. They don't like who he's eating with so much that they even give the people worse titles than they already own. Can I tell you this, church? We don't need to give people any extra titles. No extra titles. Let's welcome people to our table. In Luke 14, Jesus talks about the banquet, and he's saying, hey, guys, I want you to change your guest list. He said, instead of turning into a networking thing and only inviting the good people to dinner, what I want you to do is invite my guest list, the poor, the lame, the crippled, and they're going, the people that would contaminate our meal. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's who I want at dinner with you. I want people that can't pay you back. I want you to invite the least of these to dinner. And they're so upset with this. They change the whole conversation. And Jesus won't let them. And he goes right into the parable of the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son. He's saying, I, I, there's a different guest list, and I'm willing to eat with anyone. In Luke 19, we have the story of Zacchaeus. We have the story of Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector. He, he wants to see Jesus, and he can't see him. He's short, so he climbs up in a tree, and he's, he's looking to see Jesus, and Jesus walks right over to him. Now, you've got to understand, the religious people of that day wouldn't even go near the tree because they wouldn't want any part of Zacchaeus, his clothing or anything, to fall on them and make them unclean because he's on the do not eat list. So they don't even want to go close to Zacchaeus, and Jesus goes over near him as like, Zacchaeus. Get down here. Not only is he talking to Zacchaeus, he's like, I'm eating at your home. And they're like, no, he's not. <laughs> he can't do that. And he goes there. And the interesting thing, Zacchaeus finds salvation 
And immediately he says, Lord, I am giving away half of everything I own. And I think that's actually the very first kingdom builders dinner right there. Because he was required to give away 10%, generous was 20%, and he went to 50%. God's doing something amazing at the dinner table, and they still haven't figured it out. So in this story, in Luke chapter 7, we're going to take a a good look at this, this dinner uh, experience that's going on, and Jesus is eating with religious Pharisees, and he's eating with somebody that is a streetwalker, a prostitute. This is her former life. She's experienced the love of Jesus, but this is who is at the table and something's going on and the dynamic is going on and it's getting really messy. And we're gonna pick it up here in Luke chapter seven. Luke chapter seven, verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my head. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love is shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. There's so much going on in this meal that we don't even fully understand, and I'm going to try to get you into their culture to understand how messy this meal was. Jesus, first of all, accepts the invitation of a religious Pharisee who does not like him. Now, we know that he doesn't really like him because he doesn't do the three things that he's supposed to do, and we'll get to that in just a minute. I think this guy was what I would call a rich celebrity collector, Okay, he was a celebrity collector and it was in Jesus' time. It was before Jesus. It happens today. Rich people like to be seen with celebrities. They pay pay great amounts of money to go to political things, to be seen with the president. They pay great amounts of money to win a, a dream thing, to be able to have dinner with a celebrity. They want to get at a table. They want to get a picture. They want to get Instagram. That's what's going on today. This guy was a celebrity collector, and I, and I think about this. Uh, sometimes in life, as you start to elevate your platform, people will invite you to dinners that you never got invited to before. It's starting to happen to Becca and I, where we'll get invited to certain dinners that we never got invited to before, and sometimes I wonder if it's celebrity collecting that's going on. A friend of mine was invited to uh, the White House to have dinner with President Obama, And he thought it was just amazing. He got to sleep at the White House and to do that. And and he just kind of wonders, did he hear what I had to say or was it just celebrity collecting? 
Another guy I know, Donald Trump, called him up and said, have dinner with me, a pastor. He said, have dinner. And every time that Donald's with famous people, he calls this pastor and says, hey, you want to talk to this pastor? It's celebrity collecting. It happens all the time. And that's what this guy was doing in Luke chapter 7. He's collecting celebrities. And Jesus is the celebrity of the day. And he wants him to have a meal at his house. The reason we know he was celebrity collecting and not loving Jesus is he doesn't do the three things he's supposed to do. He's supposed to greet Jesus at the door with both hands on his shoulders and give Jesus the kiss of peace. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He's supposed to have someone wash his feet because he's walking in sandals. It's dusty and dirty. It's an honorable thing to do this with your guests to wash. Doesn't have it done for Jesus. He's supposed to put a little bit of perfume or cologne, if you will, on Jesus. Matter of fact, everyone at the dinner is supposed to have a little bit of cologne on them so that they all smell the same because you don't know how clean that guy is. He doesn't do any of those things. And so he's completely disrespecting Jesus. And as the meal's going on, people are funneling around the table because here's what would happen. There would be a table in the middle of the room and there would be pillows there. The table was much lower than the tables we use today. And they'd be leaning on the pillow, leaning into dinner with their feet out behind them. And so they'd be here at the dinner and people would fill in the big room all around them. It was the modern day equivalent for those guys of live streaming. Other people were not invited to the meal but could watch the meal. They couldn't talk at the meal but they could be around the perimeter and live stream the meal, okay? And so they're there and these people are live streaming. There's all these people around watching and Jesus is looking at Simon. Simon's looking at Jesus. And as they're talking and having their meal, this lady comes in and she's back there and she's standing behind Jesus and she starts crying. And the Bible tells us that she's crying with such intensity. The same word for her tears is the word like rainstorm. Rainstorm. She is crying, crying. And his feet are being covered with tears. And then she does something that is major do not do. Now, we don't understand it as a major do not do, but she lets down her hair. And in their culture, and I don't mean to be crude or sexual in this, but in their culture, that was almost being like without a top. It was that bad of a taboo. We think, your hair down? That's how bad it was. And so Simon's like, this is not good. She's crying, I know what kind of girl she is, and she just let down her hair, and now she's touching, she's kissing Jesus. She's touching Jesus, she's kissing Jesus, her hair is down, she's crying on Jesus. Oh, and then she wastes that perfume and does this. So all this is going on, and here's what Simon is thinking. If he was a prophet, and they believed that prophets had special discerning powers, if he was a prophet, he would know who's touching him, and he would not let her touch him. Here's what Jesus is thinking. If Simon knew who he was having dinner with, he'd get it on grace right now. Here's why all the rules could be broken. Because Jesus was bringing grace to the table. They only thought forgiveness was in the temple and Jesus was saying, guess what? It's a new day. Grace is coming to the table. They don't have to go to the temple anymore. They can come to your table, my table, everybody's table. Jesus is eating with anybody and he's bringing grace to the table. And here's what's happening. In dirty dinners, grace is cleansing the dirty dinner. That's what's going on. And they can't get it. They can't understand it. Grace is there. And grace is like the Purell for the soul, if you will. 
And in the midst of things that are way out of bounds, people that shouldn't be touching them, dirty dishes, all these rules and breaking and all this, Jesus is saying, you don't understand. Isaiah prophesied about this in Isaiah. He talked about this, that there would be a day, a banquet for all people of all nations, of all people. God just doesn't want you guys in on the banquet. He wants everyone in on the banquet. And it's not come to that table in the temple. It's the table is coming to them. Grace is going to everyone, and God will have a bunch of people at his dinner, at his table. Grace is cleansing this up. And I know that for people that are far away from God, and maybe you're in our church, you're at one of our campuses, you're like, yeah, but I'm a a terrible sinner. I'm the worst of the worst. I'm telling you this, Jesus wants to eat with you. I wish I could eat with you. I wish that physically our pastors could eat with the worst sinner at their campus, but I don't know how we'd do that. Like, fill out this form, we'll see how bad you are. I mean, yeah, what are you going to do? We're not going to do that. You know? But this church should be welcoming, inviting. Your table, your home should be a place where anyone could eat. I, recently, I was in Scotland, and I was at the baggage claim talking to this guy about nothing to do about spiritual stuff. We're just talking, and he's swearing away, and then all of a sudden, he says, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor. And he's like, I know one pastor, he did my wedding, you know, and we start talking a little more, talking a little more, and then I challenge him, and then I, there was like convicting, and I won't go into all the details, but at the moment, then he's like, I need to give that away, and what he was called to give away was worth $3,000, and he's like, this is amazing. He goes, do you want to go have a beer? <laughs> That's what he said to me. Do you want to go have a beer? He's like, I said, oh, I'm going to this church thing. You know, he's like, oh, are you going to be around? Like, I, I could hang with you and have a beer. Now, I totally understood what he meant. I totally understood what he meant. He was saying, I think you're the kind of pastor that would eat with anyone. I hope that our church has the label of the type of people that will eat with anybody. He wasn't saying, let's go get drunk. He was saying, I want to invite you. I want to bring you to another level in my life. I want to bring you in. And I would welcome you to my table. That's what Jesus is saying. I want to bring you to another level. And he's, he's, he's welcoming anyone to his table. And here's the thing about this. It's messy. Who you eat with today is still messy. How many know that you put on Instagram, like, had dinner with so-and-so? And they're like, oh, I can't believe that. I can't believe they did that. I had dinner here with so-and-so. Oh, I don't know that I'd eat there. I mean, Christians are judging. It's messy, and there's a tension, and they had to deal with the tension. We have to deal with the tension, but we're bringing grace to the table. Come on, and when grace is invited to a dirty dinner, grace wins, all right? And we got to deal with this tension here, okay? If a nurse worked with terminally ill people, you wouldn't say, ooh, well, why'd you pick that? You'd say you're a saint, But if a Christian eats with somebody that doesn't fit your description of who's acceptable to eat with, you're like, oh, I don't know. They ought to be seen as a saint going out there and eating with people you would never think of eating with. Now, I will say this. If you're invited to a celebrity dinner or, and you know, somebody's like a celebrity collector, or if you're invited to a, a, a dinner that has a bunch of people at it that don't fit the list of what you typically eat meals with, here's the thing. Don't trim away the truth. Don't be there all excited about their celebrity status. Don't be excited about your Instagram. Don't be excited about the great dinner that you're having. Be excited about the fact that they invited grace to show up at the table. 
Be excited about that and don't trim it away. Jesus told the truth. He didn't say, oh, don't worry about that. We're just gonna eat and drink. Don't worry about that. We, we, we'll deal with that. He, when they brought it up, he dealt with it with truth in love and lots of grace, but he didn't trim it away. So don't go trimming it away if you're invited there. You're doing a huge disservice if you trim away the truth and just enjoy the fun. So Jesus ate with anyone. And I wanna make this very clear. In this tension, he ate with anyone. He lived with his disciples and he rebuked the religious phonies. So we can eat with anyone. Just because we eat with them doesn't mean it's an endorsement of their lifestyle. We can eat with anybody. We live and we do discipleship and life with our other believers and we rebuke anytime we see judgmental Pharisees. But we need to reclaim the table for outreach. And I think our church is ready to do this. And I want to give you some practical things. You have 21 meals a week. 21. If you do three a day, you have 21 meals a week. Some of you took me up on that seven meals a day. You're like, I got 49. All right. You've got 49. The rest of us have 21. All right. Use those meals. Don't waste a meal. Don't waste a meal. Use them for outreach. Reclaim the table for outreach. Especially use your special days. Holidays, the Super Bowl, National Night Out, your neighborhood party, weddings, baptisms, dedications. Open up the guest list. Get people there. Open it up and take advantage of those opportunities with those meals to use them for outreach. Who should you invite? Expand the guest list. One of the people that you should invite are people that are lonely. In 2010, the AARP did a survey, not of just retired people, but of all people in America. And they said 35% of people are lonely. Lonely. Invite them to dinner. Matter of fact, I'll give you somebody to invite to dinner. Invite my mom to dinner, all right? She's a widow. And after last week's sermon, she was like, I almost stood up and said, you don't have enough dinners with your mom. You know, and I was like, sorry, mom. You know, she's like, she's like I'm, I'm, I'm doing it with Becca. She's like, that is a count. You know, and she's like, so she said, you, I said, well, I'll give you a commercial in the next sermon. So here it is. Take my mom to dinner. <laughs> Invite her to dinner, pay for dinner. I'm telling you, she's an excellent counselor. She's got unbelievable wisdom. It's worth at least $100. And I will tell you this, the bigger the sinner, the more you'll enjoy her, all right? <laughs> if, if you don't know Jesus, she has all the grace in the world for you, and she will love to talk with you. If you love Jesus, she will love to talk. If you are a phony, do not invite her to dinner. You have been warned, all right? <laughs> I love you, Mom. Love you. Love you. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, it's true. She's a widow and she's like, I need this. I want to do this. I want to be around these people. Matter of fact, the Holtys invited my mom to dinner and another widow, Rachel Ave, uh, to dinner just because of this series. And uh, that's the church being the church. That's the church being the church. I absolutely love that. So invite the lonely, invite your coworkers, invite your kids' friends. Why not? Invite your kids' friends and their parents. Why not get to know them? Invite their teachers. Invite your neighbors. This is interesting. Sarah Hireman did this thing called the neighbor's table. She did the neighbor's table. She moved to Dallas and said, I don't know people. I'm an event planner. What do you want me to do with my gifting, God? And God said, build a big table, put it in your backyard, and invite 500 people to dinner this year. So she did. There's a picture of the table. She invited 500, not at one time, all throughout the year, she invited 500 people to dinner. And she said, I'm just going to open up my table and I'm going to use the gift that I have. Okay, if Sarah can do 500, can you do 50? Can you do your three immediate neighbors? 
Can you do the most unlikely to say yes and just see if they'll say yes to dinner? Let's open up our table, invite all these people. People all say, well, if I do that, what, what, what should we talk about? Now, I know what they mean. What they mean is like, how are we going to get this to Jesus? You know, like, I was like, what about the spiritual stuff? Okay, here's a couple things. Just pray over your meal. Just pray over your meal. Just go ahead and pray. Just say, hey, you know, glad you're here for dinner. Glad we're out to eat, doing this. I just want to pray over the meal. And you can pray over the meal. It's so simple. We had one neighbor uh, in our old neighborhood where we used to live. They would never come to church. Never, ever, ever, ever. So we invited them over for dinner. And uh, we said, we're going to pray over the meal. They're like, okay. And so we fold our hands and they're kind of like, uh, 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 uh. here's the church and the steeple and the people. I mean, they, they, they're like, I don't know how to do this. And I was like, do you ever go to church, Christmas, Easter or anything? They're like, never, nothing. I, and I just thought, okay, here's the cool thing. I couldn't get them to the temple, okay, but I got them to the table. Grace showed up at the table. That's the way Jesus is saying, I've changed it. They don't have to go to the temple anymore. The table is where grace can show up. So you can do that and you can just pray over the meal. You can tell stories. I mean, think about it. You belong to a church that gives you plenty of stories. You can talk about the global team that you went on within four years of joining the church. You could <laughs> talk about your life group. You could talk about your serving. You could talk about working with kids. How many know if you need a story, work with kids. They always have amazing stories. I'll never forget when my younger brother, Ryan, gave his life to Jesus. He was just a little guy, five, six, seven years old. My mom and dad explained to him that Jesus was in his heart. And uh, we were at the table one night. We had just finished a great dinner. And he goes, Mom and Dad, he goes, I am so full. Jesus is all covered up with food. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. You know, that's just, just talk about life. There's things to do that. Use the, the reclaimed cards. You know, stack the deck, put a couple spiritual ones on top. I don't know. You do whatever, you know. But realize this. You can reclaim the table for outreach. Here's another thing. You're there to bring the light, not the fight. It's not apologetics. You're there to bring the light, not the fight. So you bring the light, and here's what's going to happen. People are going to see differently now. They're going to see, because you brought the light to the table. You know what? They're going to see clearly. They're going to see hope. You're going to bring you know, soul powers, not solar power, but soul power to the table by bringing the light. And they're going to think, it is possible to have a good marriage. It is possible to be single and to be happy. Maybe there is healing. Maybe there is hope for a person like me. I didn't know that they were worse than me, and they're my neighbor. I mean, you're bringing hope to the table, so you're bringing the light there, and that's what's going on. It's amazing. Here's another thing. Do not let the fact that you are not Martha Stewart keep you from hosting people. Okay, there's a big difference between hosting and entertaining, okay? Let me be clear. Entertaining, if that's your gift, roll with it. I mean, if you want to have your guests show up and they're like, wow, what a nice sculpture. You're like, yeah, the kids and I, we just sculpted it, you know. <laughs> After we built the table that you're at during their free time, and of course, we'll be serving you on the free-range chicken that we just got done plucking. And you know, I mean, if that's your deal... <laughs> Do it, okay? Okay? And invite me. All right? If that's your deal. But if it's not just hospitality, that's all you're doing. You're just hospitality. Here's the thing about family dinner. The important thing is family. Not the dinner. Who cares about the food? It's family. Get people together and invite them to take another step closer to the family of God. The word for hospitality is the Greek word that means friend and stranger brought together. That's what you're doing. You're bringing friends and strangers. You're saying, let's bring them all together and do this. 
I love what chef and theologian Simon Kerry Holt said. He said, at the base of hospitality, it's about providing space for God's spirit to move. That's all you're doing. You're bringing people to the table and providing space for God's spirit to move. Man, this is an exciting thing. As I close, I just want to be very clear. Jesus eats with anyone. That includes me, you, the worst of these. You might be here saying, I'm the worst of the worst of the worst. Jesus wants to eat with you. And here and at all of our campuses, we're going to have an opportunity for people to give their life to Jesus Christ and for them to say, I want you to eat with me. I want to eat with you. Now, in Luke 22, 30, it says, you're blessed to eat at his table. He brought grace and he provided a way of forgiveness. He died on the cross so that you be, can be forgiven. And I love what Revelation chapter 3 says. It's Jesus. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person and they'll eat with me. That's what he's saying. And he doesn't mean just a meal. He means I want to be your friend. I want to be your savior. I want to be the one that forgives you. He brought grace to the table. He died so that you could be forgiven, so the list could be expanded to anyone. And that's you, that's me, that's everyone that'll call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says if you accept the invitation, if you feel I'm knocking right now, I know there are people, they feel I'm knocking. If you accept that invitation, the Bible says in Revelation 19, 19, the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. He says there's going to be a day that there's going to be an amazing feast in heaven, and it's going to be the best, most amazing feast you've ever seen. Matter of fact, you think about this. People with weddings throw out the best of the best of the best. We're talking God. God is going to throw the wedding feast of all wedding feasts that will blow the budget and won't even scratch the surface. It's going to be incredible. And he says, I'm inviting you to that. You have to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Grace has been brought to the table and you can accept it. Now, here's the thing. Let me close with this. Whenever you get an invitation to dinner, what's one of the first questions you're thinking? What do you wear? What do you wear? You might even call a friend, like, what are you guys wearing to the, the, the dinner? I mean, are you, are, you going, are you jacket? No jacket? Jacket? No jacket? No jacket? For sure, no jacket. You're not backing out on me, right? You know? Or you get an invitation, like, I, I don't know what snappy casual means. I don't know how to dress that way. I don't know. <laughs> So you're terrified. What does snappy casual mean? You know, okay. And so you're always worried. Okay, can I tell you this? Here's what happens when you get invited to give your life to Jesus. And you hear something like this. Jesus wants to eat with you. You go, no, I don't know. I'm not clean enough. I don't know if I'm wearing the right things. I don't know. And, and there's a huge stress. I don't know if I can wear that. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I can wear it. And Jesus says, the invitation says, come as you are. Come as you are. I know how you look. I know how you dress. I know what you think. I know what you did last Friday. Come as you are. Come to this table. I'll forgive you, and we'll go from there. So if you could bow your heads and close your eyes, here and in all of our campuses, there's going to be an opportunity for you to have Jesus invite you to the table. If that's you and your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, this is your moment. This is your moment. This is your moment for you to say, I want you to forgive me. I want in, I want in. And I'm sure that there are people here that will do this. And in just a moment, if that's you, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand, look up at me, I'll acknowledge it, then you can put it down. But this is your moment to say, I'm in. I understand Jesus wants to eat with a person like me. He does, and I know it seems too good to be true. You don't have to change anything at this moment. Jesus says, come to the table and I'll eat with you. 
And if that's you and you're saying, Pastor Rob, include me in the closing prayer. I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to be forgiven. I'm ready. If that's you with everyone's head bowed and their eyes closed, would you slip up a hand and say, that's me, include me in this prayer. As I look around this room, would you do that? Yes, I see your hand. Are there others? Yes, I see your hand. All across this place, raise your hand. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, yes, I see your hand. There's others. Are there others? I'm, I'm still looking. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, yes, I see your hand. One more time, I'm gonna look across the room with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. My right, your left, is there anyone else? As I just scan across there, I'm kind of looking at the left center and now I'm looking at the center. Let me just stop and say, if you're watching online, this is for you too. I can't see your hand, but Jesus does. He wants to eat with you. You might be looking around at the messy table you're at, the messy life that you're in, and you're thinking, I couldn't even go to church with where I'm at right now, but God says, I wanna eat with you. It counts for you too. Anyone else to my left, your right, and you're saying, I want in, I want in, I want in. All right, I'm glad we waited. I wanna pray a prayer, and I want you to repeat this line after me. And the people around you are gonna pray it with you out loud. No one prays this prayer alone. We're gonna pray it with you, and we're gonna pray this prayer that Jesus will forgive you of your sins, and he will come and eat with you, which really means he's gonna forgive you. So let's pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins and all that I've done wrong. And I accept that forgiveness that you're offering me today. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead so I could be forgiven. You're bringing me grace and I receive it. I pledge to live for you for the rest of my life. Give me the strength to do that. In your name I pray, amen. So Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer. So simple, so true. Right now, you've said you've forgiven them. They've stepped another step closer. Grace has come to the table. It's come to their life. And we rejoice and celebrate that together. We rejoice and celebrate that together. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this grace. We thank you that you eat with anyone. We thank you that these people are now part of your family, part of that forgiven group. May they extend their table to the next person that needs to join you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. About a half dozen people raise their hand to do that decision. Can we thank God for that? Yes. Yes. I'm going to have you stand, and I want to talk to those six people real quick. And as I do, prayer teams, could you make your way forward? Could you stand? Those people that made that decision, I want to do two things for you. I want to give you this Now What book. Matter of fact, if you're watching online, email us at rivervalley.org. Just find on the website. Email us. We'll send this to you free. It's just a gift. We won't ask you for money. We won't follow up in that way. But we'll just be a church that loves you and resources you. For those of you here, we'd love for you to get this from the prayer team members or at the Welcome Center. Just get it. It says, now what do I do? I helped write this with our team. And then the other thing is, before you go to bed tonight, tell someone you gave your life to Jesus. Tell someone. You're thinking, who? Tell somebody friendly. Tell somebody at church. Tell somebody. Just say, I did it. I gave my life to Jesus. Out loud, do it. I think it's very important that you do that before you go to bed tonight. Telling somebody and getting this book. And then for all of us, let's expand our table. Let's use it for outreach. Let's think of how we can do this. How is God calling us to get involved in 
inviting people and eating with people and not saying always come to the church, which is still good. You say, come to our church, but it's saying, it's coming to the table near you. Grace, that's like a movie line. Grace, coming to a table near you, you know? That's what it's like. That's what it's like. Be commissioned to bring grace to the table and, and use it for outreach. Let's reclaim it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you.